0: This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 82. In this episode, I will tell the fascinating tale about ultra runners in 1885 who put wheels on their running shoes and roller skated for six days straight in Madison Square Garden in front of thousands of spectators. Yes, there were plenty of spills along the way. (laughs) The Ultra Running History Podcast has reached its third birthday. It is included in the People's Choice Podcast Awards in the History category. During July 2021, please help me by voting for the Ultra Running History Podcast. Go to podcastawards.com to register and nominate Ultra Running History in the history category. Thanks. That's podcastawards.com. Will do. Now to the story. Professional ultrarunners of the late 1800s and early 1900s were constantly looking for endurance races or head-to-head matches to prove their abilities and make significant amounts of money. During 1885, some of them, including popular black ultrarunner Frank Hart, changed out their leather running shoes for roller skates during a period of endurance roller skating fads. While not technically ultrarunning, The emerging 6-day roller skating races mirrored significantly the 6-day foot races that had become the most popular spectator sport for several years in the United States. Why not put wheels on those ultra-running feet and see what could be done? The results were fascinating, and very detailed play-to-play results revealed what these unique races were like. How many miles could an extreme endurance athlete skate in 6 days on primitive roller skates? Roller skating was thought to be invented as early as 1735 by John Joseph Merlin of Belgium. It was said that while showing off his new wheeled shoes at a party in London, that he crashed into a mirror. In 1863, the four-wheeled roller skate or quad skate was invented by James Plimpton, making it possible for amateurs to participate. The first public roller rink was opened in 1866 by Plimpton in New York City and they spread to other cities.
1: Thanks to an inventive young man from Massachusetts named James Leonard Plimpton, he contrived in 1863 the forerunner of our modern roller skates. Plimpton's invention inspired other designs. These odd-looking early roller skates produced a new popular sport. Roller skating skyrocketed to popularity almost overnight. In New York, fashionable Newport, and in London as well, the cream of high society introduced roller skating to the ballroom. Soon, it was the rage everywhere, and
0: everybody was roller skating. In 1875, P.T. Barnum of circus fame put on the first formal six-day foot race in America, held at his Hippodrome in New York City. Edward Payson Weston reached 431 miles. Into the 1880s, the roller rinks became very successful. In Buffalo, New York, there were at least 10 major roller rinks. It was said, If you
1: see a man on the street with a green bag under his arm, no longer set him down as a lawyer. Ten to one, he is a professor of roller skating.
0: Soon long-distance roller skating competitions were competed up to 10 miles. The skates included wooden wheels. Ball-bearing roller skate wheels were not invented until 1884 and probably were not used in mass until 1886. So the friction made skating for long distances in the early races hard and slow.
1: Getting their bearings and their ball bearings set for a grueling 10-mile road race between Woking and Pirbright, Surrey, are members of the Camberley and Backshot Roller Skating Club. In the lead is amateur world champion Pip Baker. Staged with the cooperation of the Surrey Police, the Woking Pirbright Run is the only road event of its kind ever held in this country. Style's the keynote. And Pip sets the pace with his famous swinging action.
0: In February 1885, a six-day skating tournament was announced to be held March 2nd through 8th, 1885, at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Champion skaters signed up to compete, and the field also included some ultra-running pedestrians. The winner would receive $500, or $14,000 value today, and a diamond belt. Excitement increased as the event approached, the Boston Globe reported.
1: The entire surface of Madison Square Garden has been transformed into the largest rink in the world, with an excellent skating surface, skate rooms, appropriate offices, and provided with a track 20 feet wide. It is believed that at least 10 men will cover 1,000 miles in 6 days.
0: The old original Madison Square Garden was well decked out.
1: It was gorgeous with flags and bunting. Boxes were wound and festooned with evergreen and banners and coat-of-arms decorated the great pillars. The track was the usual eighth-of-a-mile circle around the inside of the box tier and was fenced in with stout pickets on either
0: side. The inside of the track was reserved for entertainment including roller hockey matches. A group of 32 lap counters were stationed by a tall mahogany clock at the north side of the garden. They transmitted their lap counts through a speaking tube to a person maintaining an immense scoreboard that was updated once per hour. On the east end of the garden, skaters' apartments were fenced off for the skaters and their crew to sleep. Skaters could also retire to a room in a nearby hotel, the Putnam House, for extended breaks. A few key entrants should be profiled. William Donovan, age 18, was from Elmira, New York, a son of Irish immigrants. He was a newsboy and a shoemaker by trade. As roller skating started to become popular, he entered and won several short distance matches and turned professional. He heard about the six-day race, and a few of his chums urged him to enter. He had no funds, but said he would do it if he could come up with a skating outfit. One of his friends purchased a shirt for him and loaned him a silk handkerchief. Others gave him shoes, caps, a belt, overcoat, and knee breeches. Seven dollars was raised for him to get to New York. Young Donovan, on reaching New York, was alone and friendless. Frank Hart, age 27, was a black ultra-running pedestrian. He was born in Haiti and became a professional athlete. He endured racial abuse and violent threats from hostile spectators. Some competitors refused to shake his hand at the starting lines. Hart became one of the greatest ultra runners of his time. In 1880, Hart won a six-day race, walking 565 miles at Madison Square Garden, earning him a fortune. But he burned through his winnings fast and continued to seek ways to win professional endurance awards. Albert Schock, age 28, was from Chicago, Illinois. He also was an experienced ultra-running pedestrian, a veteran of three six-day-go-as-you-please running races in Chicago. He had performed well, finishing in second, third, and fifth place. The historic six-day roller skating race started as planned at 12.05 a.m. on Monday, March 2, 1885, with 36 skaters, all under 30 years old. There were about 2,000 spectators on hand to witness the start.
1: The competitors came to the starting line and when at the signal all moved away together amid the cheers of the crowd. The first mile was made by Jacob Small, aged 23, from Brooklyn in five minutes. The skaters kept together for several miles with Small in the lead. The positions of the others changed frequently.
0: Gilmore's band played at the bandstand in the center of the floor.
1: Just as the band struck up the first melodious blast, the gentleman of the bass tuba fell through and was lost to sight. (gasps) The band did not miss a beat, finished the number, and then moved to a safer place at the south side of the garden.
0: When morning came, many skaters were off the track. How was the ultra runner Hart doing?
1: Frank Hart... The pedestrian seemed almost unused to the skates. He lifts his skates as if they were snowshoes and seemed to imagine that all he had to do was put his foot on the floor and he would go ahead. He has made several attempts to spurt, but becoming overbalanced has given it up. Now he plods along the track in the hope that the others will become tired out and give him the field himself.
0: After 10 hours, he was in dead last with only 29 miles.
1: Many of the skaters had roaring headaches from the tremendous noise of the rollers as they went over pine flooring. It sounded like the roar of escaping steam. As the skaters arrived in front of the press stand, one could not hear himself speak. Dust blew in clouds from the passing skaters.
0: Meyer and Calhoun of New York City raced each other hard, clocking at 4.13 mile.
1: As they went around the corners, everybody in the building expected to see them go head over heels against the pickets that guard the track. As they went past the press stand, the draught of air caused by their rapid flight took the scorers sheet off the table like a flash and whisked them through the air halfway down the track.
0: Charles Walton of East Boston was the favorite in the race. He had previously skated a record 243 miles in 24 hours. On this day, he reached 100 miles in less than nine hours.
1: Immediately after doing his 101st mile, Walton put on a spurt and made his 102nd mile in 418. Several of the skaters tried to keep up with his tremendous gait, but he passed them all, as if they were standing still.
0: The news press liked to make fun of some of the skaters. Eichs, a German, skated leaning back at a dangerous angle. Robinson of Brooklyn skated around with his mouth wide open, as if he were trying to catch all the dust in the garden. Meyer continually chewed on a toothpick, dressed in a blue suit and cap. Boyst, aged 19 from New Jersey, skated with his body bent over with his hands below his knees.
1: Then giving his body a swing, he throws his arms from one side to another until he swings halfway across the track every time he puts one foot past the other. John Ford is a worse skater than even Frank Hart. He goes around the track as if he were on stilts and his joints composed of springs. Some skaters wore gaudy outfits. Ward of Chicago wore a gloriously striped yellow and black sweater, a red silk neck chip, white knee breeches, and a white belt and hat.
0: During the first evening, more than 11,000 people packed the garden to watch the racers and a polo hockey match on skates. Walton reached 209 miles after 20 hours. Women stood five deep against the railing applauding the passing racers. The ultra runner Hart still was having challenges skating.
1: He was crawling around the track reminding one of a 16-year-old maiden making her first venture on roller skates. Mr. Hart goes as slow as the wheels will allow.
0: His skating gait was so odd that the other skaters gave him a wide berth when they came near. Skaters were seen carrying coffee pots and sucking on lemons and oranges.
1: Ginger ale is the favorite beverage on the track, and next to the alluring coffee pot and toothpick, the damp sponge holds sway. Johnson skated carrying a sponge in his mouth and a bottle of ginger ale in his hand. His limbs trembled like the traditional reed in
0: the wind. Crashes occurred, Walton and Maddox cut Jacob Small off, causing him to be thrown into the wicket fence surrounding the track and he broke two of the slats. Three men had to haul him off, putting him to bed for four hours. After 24 hours, Walton had reached 243 miles with an eight mile lead. He then left the track to sleep, soon giving up the lead to Maddox. Three of the starters had dropped out. Ford was in last place.
1: His legs wobble, his mouth twitches, and his shoulders work convulsingly. He loses his balance for a second and then recovers himself, only to begin the same thing over again.
0: About 500 spectators stayed overnight watching. They were called sleepers sleeping on seats all night to avoid paying admission for the next day. During the second day, the skaters started to take extended sleeping breaks and the lead changed more often. The skaters learned the benefits of drafting behind other skaters.
1: It was a very pretty sight of 12 skaters all in one line, going around at the rate of 8 miles an hour, seemingly without any exertion whatsoever the prince of the rink, as Meyer is called, calmly chewing a toothpick at the head of the line.
0: In the evening, the big crowds returned.
1: The audience was such as is seen at any New York theater. Nearly half of the 4,000 people were ladies, and the brightness of their costumes and the air they gave to the occasion was such that made the place doubly attractive.
0: After 48 hours, the ultra-runner's shock, held the lead with 421 miles, followed by Donovan, the 18-year-old newsboy from Elmire, New York, with 400 miles. Donovan was doing so well that some men stepped in to be his handlers. Six more skaters had withdrawn, including Hart, with 123 miles, who said that he had become tired of going around on rollers. 27 contestants remained. On day three, Donovan pulled ahead of Shock, going around the track like mad, but Shock continued to pull up a strong fight. His trainer revealed that he had been bothered by kidney pain and had to lean forward to relieve the pain. Donovan passed 600 miles at 70 hours. A fellow Irishman spectator presented him with an enormous floral horseshoe. About 20 minutes later, Maddox fainted and suddenly toppled to one side and fell into a heap on the track. The judges ordered that he be removed from the track and taken to the hotel. It took them ten minutes to bring him back to consciousness. A couple hours later, he returned, but still struggled. He resorted to carrying a sponge saturated with ammonia, which he frequently applied to his nostrils. At the end of day three, Donovan led with 604 miles, with Shock 16 miles behind him. 25 skaters remained. Five roller hockey games kept 4,000 spectators in the arena until late at night. Shock the Ultra Runner started the fourth day, quote, stiff as a poker and moving with evident pain. He carried an old can with a spout on it and sipped from it as he rolled along. By the afternoon Donovan held a lead over him of seventeen miles. It was cold that day in the poorly heated arena.
1: The air in the garden this afternoon, despite the strong rays of the sun that shone on the pine flooring of the building through the glass overhead, was very chilly and gave the hands of the skaters a bluish look after they had been on the track for an hour or so.
0: The spectators put on warm overcoats and the scorers dropped their pencils often to warm their fingers. Poor shock could no longer straighten his body. Whenever his trainer handed him anything to eat or drink, He would support himself by putting one hand on his knee and carrying the food to his mouth with the other. Soon, Shock had to get much-needed rest at his hotel room. When he came back that evening, he was rubbed down so well with liniment that he could be smelled before he was seen. Boo! You stink! Shock's trainers continued to work hard on him. A piece of wood two and a half feet long, three inches wide, was used on his back and his thighs to try to loosen up his muscles.
1: His work must be telling tremendously on him. His trainers are dousing him every five minutes with liquids of all colors and odors.
0: At night, the arena was usually lit by large arc electric lights that were distributed throughout the garden. But this night, hundreds of colored globes were lit with gas jets that crossed and recrossed the roof of the building in semicircles. It was an amazing sight for the 1885 spectators. At the end of day four, Donovan had 785 miles to Shock's 755. Eight more men quit the race, leaving 17. In the afternoon of the fifth day, Donovan had built up a commanding lead of 41 miles. Boyette caught up and passed the struggling Shock into second place during the evening, despite rolling at a walking pace. The excitement of the race was dwindling. The audience paid more attention to the carnival than the racers. The long miles were taking a toll on the athletes. Donovan was getting light in the head and had proved intractable to his trainers. They wanted him to ease up and not do so much hard work. He was going some miles at the rate of 12 miles an hour, too fast for a man to go who was 54 miles in the lead of the second man. Donovan continued to think he would be caught, and his trainers tried everything, including threats, to get the idea out of his head. At the end of day five, Donovan had 970 miles to Boyak's 915. 16 skaters remained. At 5.24 a.m. on day six, Donovan passed 1,000 miles.
1: The few people who were then awake cheered heartedly as the score bulletined the figures, and their cheers awoke the slumbering regulars on the top rows of the benches in the galleries, and they too cheered the shock-headed, pallid-faced youth from Elmira, New York. Many of the chronic spectator sleepers in the place were rudely disturbed by a gang of boys who went around the garden with a rope, which they tied to the sleeping men's chairs and pulled them from under, letting the unconscious occupants fall down and waking them so quickly that they were bewildered for several minutes.
0: The second place skater, Boist reached 1,000 miles with about 12 hours to go. As some skaters realized that they could not catch the next person ahead in the standings, they quit skating. Maddox pled with his trainer who was running along with him to allow him to go off the track. If you don't let me go off, I'll have to drop on the track. I can't stand it any longer. Ultra Runner Shock continued on and along the way received a wreath and anchor floral arrangement from fans.
1: The trainer's tables looked like conservatories, banked high with almost every product of flora.
0: Donovan also quit several hours early which disappointed people wagering that he would reach 1,100 miles. Hey, keep going. Don't stop. Finally, only Goodwin was on the track because all the others had quit. He wanted to quit, too, so the end came officially two hours early. Donovan won by 47 miles with 1,092 miles.
1: After the race was over, the referee presented the men with medals and money while the crowd stood around and clapped and cheered the men who were presented with prizes.
0: The band played Home Sweet Home, and the crowd left the building as Barnum's circus men came in to tear up the track and transform the building into a circus. Donovan's ecstatic trainers took Donovan to Putnam House and fed him oatmeal gruel, two soft-boiled eggs, toast, and tea. The doctor examined him and said that the boy had worn himself out and needed a week's rest. Donovan's condition was very concerning.
1: He is completely broken up physically and has been out of bed only an hour since the contest ended. His feet were in such a condition when he left the track that his stockings could not be removed. The sight of his right foot and leg made the trainer sick.
0: That's gross.
1: A hole had been worn in the hollow of his foot and was festered and inflamed. The sore extended away up his leg to his knee. So deep was the furrow that one could almost see the
0: shin bone through it. The following day, reporters visited Donovan at his hotel room.
1: His feet are in terrible condition. His complexion is ghastly and his eyes are sunk deep in their sockets.
0: On the second day after the finish, Donovan still was not doing well.
1: There were rumors at one time that he was dying, and the lad certainly did himself an irreparable injury by continuing in the race without proper attendance. It is a wonder of the physicians who had been called in since his retirement from the track that he could have finished as he did.
0: But soon he appeared to recover.
1: Today he is a champion, well-dressed, well-fed, with every comfort at his command, and richer than he ever was.
0: Other participants were leaving with much less than Donovan.
1: The skaters wandered around the city complaining with vigor and much profanity in the way that they had been left out in the cold and had not been fairly treated by management.
0: They had been given room and board and a week's salary, but they demanded more.
1: There was a stormy scene at the manager's offices with much hot talk. Some of the would-be champions were bought off with a $10 bill and sent away rejoicing.
0: The New York theaters went on a crusade against roller skating because of the business that the event took away from them. They said,
1: It is the degrading influence that all such crazes have upon the show business in general.
0: Donovan's hometown of Elmira was howling for their hero to return. The boy's father was determined to take him home and did so against the protests of his trainers. He was taken by train to Elmira by his relatives.
1: Donovan was met at Elmira Depot by half the town, and the same evening a big reception was given him at the rink. He was the hero of the hour and exhibited at nearby towns.
0: Joseph Cohen, one of the older contestants in the race at the age of 26, was a dry goods clerk from Brooklyn, New York. He had reached at least 350 miles, but quit on the fourth day. He went home very discouraged and weary that he did not receive a promised $50.
1: His condition grew rapidly worse, and before a physician could be summoned, he expired. He leaves a wife and two children in almost destitute circumstances. His friends all declared that while not exactly a strong man, his health had been good previous to the roller skating race.
0: Cohen died on March 17, 1885, ten days after the race. It was said that he died from, quote, inflammation of the brain, cold, and exhaustion. Spinal meningitis was also mentioned as a pre-existing condition. A Brooklyn jury of inquest on his death recommended that a law be passed to prohibit such events in the future that exceeded four hours. Donovan's trainers went to Elmira to start getting him ready for the scheduled next six-day event. They found him with a severe cold coughing. They believed that the family was killing the boy with all the appearances for money at skating rink halls. Donovan wanted to return to New York with his trainers to recover and prepare for his next race. They left for New York after a week. At New York, again in Putnam House, it was soon discovered that he had pneumonia in his left lung.
1: He was fast recovering when by imprudent exposure at an open window, he contracted a fresh cold, which resulted in severe and continual attack of cramps in the stomach.
0: The doctor was summoned and he was diagnosed with a serious heart issue. Donovan suffered for a couple more days, and was visited by his trainer, Jack Smith.
1: Donovan put up his arm around his neck and said, I wish I had something to give you, Jack. You've been so kind to me. His blue eyes were fixed on Smith's face, and he tried to speak again, but sat back on his pillow. Smith thought he was asleep or had swooned, but in a moment discovered that his heart had ceased
0: to beat. Donovan died on April 5, 1885, just about a month after his victory. News of his death spread across the country. Immediately, efforts were made to prohibit six-day races, which was characterized as including brutality, betting, gambling, abuses, and horrors.
1: The deaths of Donovan and Cohen demonstrates the necessity of passage of laws to prevent such contests.
0: In St. Louis it was written,
1: There is absolutely nothing to commend these exhibitions. The fate of poor Willie Donovan, the victor, is too fresh in our minds to permit us to advocate the repetition of such a race. And we trust the National Rink Association will take the matter in hand.
0: Despite the public protests, another six-day race was held in Madison Square Garden in May, 1885, including ultra-running greats Albert Schock and Charles Harriman. Alexander Snowden, aged 22, of Canada won with a new record, 1,163 miles. The event was a financial failure as the managers lost heavy amounts of money. Other six-day races were held in 1886 that limited the number of hours that could be skated each day. They were also financial failures. Years later, in 1906, some six-day roller skating races reappeared, with 12 hours per day limitations. Some people wondered if a society for the prevention of cruelty to athletes was needed. In 1929, true six-day races returned, but they involved three-man relays, including some ultra-runners, and was broadcast over the radio. Will six day ultra skating races return to a rink near you? With that, this is Davey Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors and most of all stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.